Hello, you are listening to the Treadweary Podcast, the audio arm of Treadweary.com, where we gather around the Word of God to hear what it is that God has done for us, so that we might receive from Him the gifts of His grace and mercy. Join Pastor Smee as we take a look at the text coming up for us with this following Sunday to hear what it is that God has to tell us and to open our hearts and our minds as we prepare to worship together. Greetings, church. Hope you are having a wonderful week. This Thursday is our time to look at our second reading for 2 Corinthians chapter 4. A wonderful reading that ties into our, our, our prayers and our desires around transfiguration. But let us first open with our reading from Psalm 50. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Mighty One, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes and does not keep silence. Before him is a devouring fire and a mighty tempest all around him. He calls to the heavens above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Gather to me my faithful ones who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. The heavens declare his righteousness, for God himself is judge. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. This is a, a, a wonderful psalm. We looked at it a lot yesterday, but just to think that it's a psalm that wants us to be reminded of who God is and what God has done. And that's kind of what is happening in the Transfiguration story, is Jesus is reminding us of who he is and what he has come to do. Well, we have 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 through 6. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not proclaim ourselves. We proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light to the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There's so much imagery, so much attempt to understanding here. Um, and here first is, is Paul is defending himself in this letter. I was teaching on this in Bible study the other night, but in between 1st and 2nd Corinthians, there's actually a one and a half Corinthians, where actually this is probably 3rd Corinthians, or maybe even 4th Corinthians, I don't know. But something has happened. Uh, Paul helped establish the churches in Corinth, and then super apostles show up from Jerusalem with, with special letters of approval, um, and, and they start deriding Paul for who he is. They, they don't care for him. Uh, for who he is or, or, or uh, the ministry that he has brought. Uh, they could have been the Judaizer type people. They, they would tend to be people who would have a special word of knowledge from God. I've got a special word of knowledge for you. It has nothing to do with the scriptures, but it's just really special, you know. They probably come with a southern accent and a really bad suit um, and say glory all the time. Uh, but uh, here Paul is troubled and he's talks so much about ministry 
and the work of the church. His, his writings in First and Second Corinthians I love because if we want to understand the purpose of a pastor, the purpose of a church, uh, we often can find that here. And here he's talking about um, the necessity of proclaiming the gospel. And specifically, he's speaking against uh, preaching a word that might cause uh, conviction in the spirit of some of somebody, but has nothing to do with Jesus. Like coming to somebody and preaching something other than Christ and him crucified, preaching some other gospel, some other word. And here, uh, Paul speaks about this specifically in that he comes proclaiming a particular message. He came proclaiming a particular message in a particular way. And it's all he has. He says it multiple times throughout 2 Corinthians, and 1 Corinthians for that matter, that it is in uh, in 2 Corinthians that he he, he talks about the, the necessity of, of not needing any letters of recommendation, but that he has Christ. Yes, he, he came in the name of Christ to proclaim him as, as Lord and Savior. And then he, uh, later on, we would have as this, this reading where he talks about uh, this uh, thorn in his flesh, right? That he was not a super apostle. He was not one who was going to come with some special word of knowledge, but in fact, he celebrates in his weaknesses. And so here, as this apostle of weakness, he speaks to us of, of the reason why the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ taking control of your salvation, not you, you doing nothing to make yourself enough, you doing nothing to prove yourself, because in that you will fail, and instead Christ steps in and does it all for you. He is the perfection of all our attempts to try and keep the Ten Commandments, and we can't. He's our, the perfection of all our attempts to try and be law keepers, but we can't. We are the law breakers, and he took on all our law breaking for us. Well, here he says, and even if our gospel is veiled, meaning even if it is hard for people to see or hard for people to understand or hard, uh, it, you don't see the fruit just yet. It is said of this, it's veiled to those who are perishing, which is a dangerous word to hear, but it's there. That there are people we both know, don't we? All of us, maybe the two of you that are watching this right now, because I think maybe there's only a couple of you that watch this, or maybe there's a billion of you. I have no idea. That there are people that we know who have turned their back on the church. They've heard all the stories. They, they could sing the songs. They could sing Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. And that Father Abraham had many sons, even though he only had two. Um, they, they can sing all those songs. They know all the stories. They can pray the Lord's Prayer. They, they know Psalm 23. But they've looked at Jesus and they said, nah, I'm good. Right? Because what has ended up happening is, is that the gospel has become veiled. It's been hard for them to hear. We, we hear it in the parable of the sower, right? That the, that the seed falls on the, on the path and it's stolen away by the birds, which is a picture of the devil coming and ripping from our hearts the, the gospel so that it cannot take root and bring forth faith that we might be redeemed. And so here he's, he's saying, it is veiled to those who are perishing, meaning that you have this veil over your face and can't see clearly. 
It says, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Do you notice something there? He doesn't blame the unbelievers, whoever those might be. He blames the enemy. Do you, can you imagine that in today's day and age? That there's some sort of cosmic battle going on for our souls that we see, we see none of it? I wonder how that would change our prayer life if we actually believed that there's a, a being out there, this Satan, that desires to see nothing more happen other than people not hear the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ given to die for you, to redeem you from sin, death, and the devil, as Luther would say. So that's an, this is an exact image of Jesus' sermon of, or, or uh, parable of the sower. That their, their minds are blinded so that they might not see the light of the gospel, to see Christ for who he is as the only Savior, the only one that we can place our hope upon because we can try and save ourselves all we want and we will fail. We see that even in today uh, when... I'm probably going to get myself in trouble for this, but I don't care. When we have in our culture nowadays the the wokeism, the the the, the woke culture, which it, basically it's spec hunting, going around and looking for the sin, the littlest sins that we possibly can find, all these hidden things, adding meaning behind things that people say that isn't true, without realizing our own sin, our own depravity, our own fallenness, and usually we end up making excuses for ourselves. We do it all the time. Just just watch the news from now on, looking for ways in which people degrade others, break down other, the, the sins of others, and in some ways it try to make us feel better because in, subconsciously we know that we are in need of help. And then it's, it never fails that we find somebody who has called out somebody else for their own sins and then they have their own stuff that they've got to deal with too. That it becomes a necessity of the gospel to come in and tell us, no, it's not about you finding the sins of others. It's about you looking at your own sin and realizing that it's been taken from you by Christ, but so has that other person's sins. So we might see the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, the one that we see on the top of that mountain. For we do not proclaim ourselves. Paul's not going to be talking about a self as, as some sort of form of virtue. But we, we proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord, as Kyrios, as Caesar, as the, as the supreme ruler of all the world. Right? And ourselves as your slaves. Meaning he's saying, I'm your slave. I'm sold into slavery to you that I might proclaim the gospel. That is my job, he's saying. For Jesus' sake, for the sake of the one who 2,000 years ago on a hill outside Jerusalem was given to die for you. And for his sake, God forgives you all your sin. For it is the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Here, here Paul is, is hearkening back to the beginning of time, to the beginning of creation, right? He's hearkening back to that, to say that when God said, let there be light, which was Jesus being spoken into the world, into the universe, 
because God speaks, and that's the word, that's the logos, that's, that's Jesus Christ, the word of God made flesh. God's sermon with skin on comes into the world. He says, let there be light, and there was light in the midst of darkness and chaos and void. And here comes Christ into the darkness, chaos, and void of our lives. And that becomes the purpose of God's gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, to enlighten our hearts, to see our own sin, that we might see Christ and know him more purely. Let us pray. Almighty God, the resplendent light of your truth shines from the mountaintop into our hearts. Transfigure us by your beloved Son and illumine the world with your image. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Well, church, we will see you tomorrow for our gospel reading. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.